I mean, honestly, if you can see, if you can see title and closing be instant and appraisal be instant, it gets us a lot of the way towards a fully instant end-to-end -end transaction. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents in our industry hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Pat Hyman, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchistegi coming back for another episode of Real Estate Rockstars. Now, I need to tell you guys, I am super pumped about today's interview. We have all been living in this COVID world for like two and a half months now, and we have seen the world innovate like 10 years in like two and a half months, right? Everybody knows how to do Zoom now. There are so many changes happening. So like notaries in Mississippi now you can do through webcams instead. Notaries in Texas you can do through webcams instead. So the world is starting to innovate. And the guy that I've got on here today, Max Simkoff from State's Title, he is totally revolutionizing the way that title is done. And he's got some exciting things to share today. You know, and from my background, kind of buying foreclosures and things like that, title has been such an interesting part of that. So I can't wait to hear how Max got here and what he's doing out there. So Max, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Max, you are out in San Francisco. We got to talk a little bit before we came on, but you are living in the heart of the ghost town right now. So are, are people still are people still doing business out there? Do you see people outside? So in Texas right now, there's a lot more people starting to walk around on the streets. Is it have people started to walk around a little bit more? Or is everybody pretty much staying inside? Yeah, no, I mean people are out. In fact, people are walking in literally walking in the streets, right? There's no yeah. because there's like very little traffic. You know, it's funny, uh, San Francisco is an interesting town. The neighborhood I live in uh, is called Noe Valley. It's uh, it, it's in the city. Generally, more families. Uh, and during the week, in normal times, it's more of a ghost town, right? Everyone's at work. People work hard here. And so what's been odd, actually, in the last few weeks is, like, you do see people out. Like, they're sitting on their steps, talking to their neighbors, walking with their kids. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of eerie because like that's, you know, ideally that's what the rest of the country has looked like um, usually. And in San Francisco, it now means that people aren't working all the time and they're, you know, they're, they're able to take a breath. Man, that has to be bizarre. I've seen uh, some friends of mine from Sacramento have driven down and done some like day trips, just driving through the city to take pictures because San Francisco is one of my favorite cities ever, you know, growing up in, in Southern Oregon, that would be the big city we would go travel to. So pretty, so beautiful, but like, Last year, I remember going to a big conference out in, uh, in in San Francisco, and I missed my turn into the parking lot of the hotel, and it took me an hour to make it around those four blocks just to make the right turn in. Like When traffic is crazy, it is crazy. So I have to imagine just as you see that, you're like, whoa, such a different world. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, I, I've, I have, I've still been going into my office um, once a week. For various reasons, titles considered an essential service. The commute probably three miles total, um, mm -hmm. and in normal times and traffic, it would take me between forty and fifty minutes to drive there. And yesterday, I think I hit every stoplight perfect. There wasn't a single car in the street. It took me like eight or nine minutes. So know. bizarre! Like so, it's like such a different. That'll be the one thing people don't miss when it comes back is the, the traffic. <laughs> yeah. And plenty of people will just escape working from home or something. But what a what a strange time. I try to tell people when we can get through like the 
emotional up and downs of what's going on. And we just realize like, hey, we are like, I, I'm a history buff. I love history. Right now, we are living in a moment of history that is going to be, that books will be written about it, studies will be written about it. So I try, well, I try to like look around and actually just appreciate every, all of it for what it is. The good news, the bad news, everything. Just be yeah. curious and pay attention. And this will be one of those moments where you're like, wow, that was a strange moment or when we're telling our grandkids about it. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegi. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. You know, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you wanna check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. You find that you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the six steps for seven figures book. And really, there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down to like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices because we know right now is the time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, Maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay. You get access to every course we've ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. So state's title, tell me, you know, so Curtis got to talk to you a little bit in a, in a pre-interview, told me a little bit about kind of how you got into title and it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't really a natural progression and it was kind of like saying you had some experiences and we're like, I, I think I can do this better. Tell, tell us about that. How, how did you start state's title? Yeah. So I don't, I mean, I had no real estate background. I had no title and escrow background. I was, um, I was running a software company and I went through a mortgage closing for the first time. And the whole experience was just perplexing to me. It was, first of all, it was like a time warp, right? When it was time to close and it's uh, buying a condo, uh, my real estate agent said, hey, you're going to have to go to the office of this title company and do your closing. And I was like, well, what is that? Like, what, what is title? Yeah. And that's where we kind of went down this black hole of, you know, she was like, well, you know, you have to buy title insurance. And I was like, well, what's that? Right. Yeah. And she said, well, you know, that you have to make sure that you, that you, you buy an insurance policy to protect you against, uh, I think what she called clear ownership, right? She was like, you need to make sure there's no outstanding interest in the property. And I said, okay, well, did, did the person that I'm buying the property from buy that product too? And she was like, yeah, they, of course they did. Like everybody buys it, right? And I was like, okay, well, I think I understand insurance, right? Insurance is risk-based. And so if, if the person who I'm buying the property from bought it as well, technically I should only really be protecting against the risk between their, you know, establishment of ownership and mine, right? 
And she's you're, like, yeah, that's you're right. a really quick study to cut to like actually because yes, that's exactly how it should work. But most people wouldn't have seen that in the first thing. So you're like, wait. Yeah, so- but I mean, most people are just like, okay, there's an annoying cost of transacting, and it's you know bundled in the fees, and I have to pay it. But I was like, I was like, I just want to make sure I understand because by the way, the reason I want to understand what I was paying for is you know the title insurance premium on the closing statement was the second or third highest cost of closing, and, and where the first highest cost is the origination fee for the loan, right? Yeah. Um, and then there was title insurance premium, and then there was something called a settlement or closing fee, right? Uh, and and so I was like, this is just kind of fascinating. I was like, I was like, okay, so I'm I'm pulling down risk from when the person who I you know I, I bought the home from bought their policy, and now, and she's like, yep, that's right. And I was like, okay, well, they've owned this home for like seven years, right? So I'm pulling down seven years of the risk. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, well, but they when they bought the home, they bought it from someone who owned it for thirty years, right? So they pulled down thirty years worth of risk, and she was like, yes, you're following correctly. And I was like. So I take it that I should pay less because I'm pulling down less risk. And I can't remember whether it was my real estate agent or the title person was like, no, 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 that's not the way this works. Like you're going to pay more for it because this isn't, the pricing's not connected to risk. It's based on the value of the property. Dude, how about, we, so we bought, we buy a house on the courthouse steps in Texas, you know, and we don't have any title insurance. And then we try to get a hard money loan on it. So we pay 4,000 bucks for a title policy. Yeah. And then- same property, and then we're going to refinance it to a yep. longer term, and we're going to pay four thousand bucks. You pay again, again. yeah, hundred thousand dollar house, right? Eight eight thousand of it was just to be able to refinance it, and I remember how and and the and I've been in real estate a long time too, and I'm like, so in California, there were times that there was actually some reason that they could say you could almost get like these binders for like new homes where you're only insuring that piece. But I'm like, literally, I had a title policy a month ago. They're like, yes, but you're a different, but it's different. Yeah. No. And that, I mean, by the way, that is, that became the premise for the original business was refi. So uh, it was annoying to me when I, when I bought the home where it became an idea, the concept for state's title was I, I did a refi a couple of years later, right? The simple rate and term refi with my existing lender, nothing complicated, no cash out. It was just like, you know, interest rates came down, yeah. want to have a lower payment. And when I did it, they said, Hey, we need a new, you know, you need a new title policy. Um, and what's really fascinating, again, most people don't understand this because they don't, it's just not worth it to like that. But when you do that, when you get a new title policy on a refi, it's not for you. It doesn't actually protect you as the consumer. You're paying for a new lender's title policy to protect the new lender, the new security interest in the property, right? right. And so that's where I was like, why am I having to do this, right? Like, I, I'm pretty sure what you're asking me to do is to indemnify myself against myself, right? Like, yeah. that's... It like how about I just how about we get a notary in here? I'll sign a certified affidavit, pay a hundred bucks, and call it a day. Like Roughly, nothing's happened in the last year, I swear. Exactly. I haven't done any you know work, and so that that was the original premise for the business was when we when I paid that fee the second time, I said I'll bet we could develop an algorithm to instantly underwrite refinance title insurance, and we could do it cheaper. Uh, we could do it faster. It would be simpler, um, and that gave rise to the ultimate vision for the company, which is to do the entire process, not just title, but closing and escrow, everything. Our, our vision for the business and what we've started building so far is to be able to do the closing instantly, right? You click a button, the, in, the title insurance is underwritten, the earnest money's funded, the disbursements are made, the recording taxes are paid, you trace your signature with your finger, everything happens, super simple, and it's better, cheaper, faster, right? That's, that's the general premise. Yeah. So, so that assumes that when they bought it, the person that gave the title insurance did it right. So it's saying, hey, they, they owned it right. So we just need to quickly look at the last seven years and whatever happened, happened. No, actually, so 
Yeah, so here, here's, here's what's interesting. The, the, the initial product we launched, the reason it was so innovative and also controversial was because we actually, uh, we, we, we did not follow the traditional way of trying to automate underwriting, which would be to kind of do what you just described is like, look, what if we could get access to the source of truth information faster? We could ping the you know, courthouse records, we could ping the assessor, we could pull the liens or whatever. That's not what we did. What we actually did was we developed a predictive model and the predictive model used other data that was instantaneously available to make a risk prediction and then underwrite based on risk. So here's the difference. We don't actually, we didn't look for the liens. We weren't actually going to the assessor and saying, are there liens? We would look at other predictive data and say, based on this, what's the likelihood that there would be a lien if we looked? And without looking, we would underwrite, which means that what was so revolutionary about this, and this is why I caught on so quickly with large mortgage lenders is, they were used to a process with existing title vendors. They offer automated title search stuff. And they'll get, they'll get a title report turned around in 24 hours at fastest. Sometimes it'll take a day or two. And we were, we were issuing clear to close commitments on refis in less than a minute, right? We were like, you click a button and it's done. That is so, so what sort of stuff is that? And like, like, what is the thing that you say, Hey, if, so I'll tell, I'll say like, uh, for likely to sell leads, right? So if somebody stopped mowing their lawn, yeah. And they're going to get a lien from the city. Yep. And so then that they're probably going to be likely to sell you their house because they don't care about it as much anymore. Yeah. Yep. What are some of those things you guys are looking at that's like, hey, it's, it's not actually title or lien based. It's just yeah. this. What is some, what's one of those other things? So um, here's a couple interesting ones that we found. I, again, I think this stuff's kind of fascinating. By the way, we patented this. Like we, we were granted a utility patent application on this predictive algorithm for, for instant underwriting title. It's freaking um, crazy. Here's a couple examples. One is... Um, we found that the number of bedrooms and bathrooms in a home uh, can be linearly predictive of title risk to a point, and then it inverts. So, for example, uh, two bedrooms, two bedroom houses have more title risk than one. Three bedroom houses have more than two. Four bedroom houses have less than three, and five have less than four. Right. So, like, you have like this inverted risk curve that is no. Here's the other fascinating thing: is like I like to say we're in the correlation business. We're not in the causation business, right? Because people like to. They hear a stat like that and they're like, oh, let me think about why that is like, you know, three bedroom house. That's kind of like a median number of bedrooms. Maybe there's more of those, the distribution, the risk curve. And the answer is like, I have no idea why four bedroom homes have less title risk than three. But when you find it statistically significant and you can underwrite risk more efficiently that way, you know, that we run our, we run our business that way. Um, you supply that percentage. So you started doing refis and you said, Hey, this is a, a simple thing. We can see how long they owned it. What are these other factors? Let's apply a rate. And then you would just pull out like, okay, we think our risk is this much. So we're just going to charge this much for the policy. Yeah. So in a perfect world, you would be able to do risk-based pricing. Uh, unfortunately, the way the title insurance works is, and a lot of this is wrapped up in regulation, but you, you have to charge a flat fee. Uh, no matter what. And so what right. we did is we just picked a low flat fee and then we have a bifurcated decision. We either instant underwrite uh, and uh, you know take all the risk on our balance sheet as an insurance carrier. Or uh, if the risk, if it trips the risk threshold high enough, we just send it down the you know old school manual underwriting path. And just for, I mean, to, to give you a sense, like right now, and we're working with some of the lar largest mortgage lenders in the country for this product, a lot of scale. Uh, multiple states, thousands of closings a month just on this product. Um, I think we're instant underwriting between 80 and 84% of the orders that we get. So the vast majority of them get instant underwritten. They get an industry beating low price. It's a better experience all around. That is crazy. So agents, as you're listening to that, he's doing 200,000 closings a year 
And you could actually, like, there are times when we are waiting for it. We get a, we get a cash offer on something and we're waiting a week or two for a title policy. And he's saying, no, for 80 something percent, they can do it right away. And so, yeah, we can, we can, we can do this thing and yeah, so a lower one, cost. One, one caveat. So that the instant underwriting algorithm is live right now just for refi. Okay. But Refis, but it's coming soon for, for resale. And the, 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 what, what that algorithm allowed us to do was it, it also opened our eyes to the rest of the process being broken, right? Like setting up the closing, figuring out how to get, you know, get the doc signed, for example. And so some of those features that we're now also making instant, instant signature, for example, it's a feature that we're releasing next quarter, that will be available for resale, right? The ability to sign instantly from anywhere at any time, using the benefits of what's happening with remote online notarization and some of these other things that you mentioned earlier on, like in Texas and in Mississippi, we will be releasing some other instant features more quickly for resale to make the rest of the process instant. Yeah, everybody is, I mean, so when I try to see of like what's happening right now, what are people are, are starting to see, like we could actually do different business different. For a gazillion years, everyone says, no, we do it this way because we've always done it this way. Why do we do a notary? We've, because we've always done it like this. Why don't we do it like this? It makes a lot more sense. No, because we've always done it like this. And then COVID says, all bets are off. Everybody yeah. needs to change everything. And my favorite restaurant now that's a sit-down restaurant now has a, their own drive-through experience with cones outside and they've got a yeah. giant menu out front. Now, when cars are parking in the parking lot again, they're not going to be able to have that. So everybody's innovating. And so, the, so now all bets are off. So now is the best time to get to innovate and renew a new product. So the so when you're saying, hey, so some states have logged uh, have been okay with this. You're saying as a title company, you're gonna you're gonna allow a different form of notarization. You know your instant signing thing. And so you'll get you have to convince the the lender to do it, or the lender just says, hey, if you're if you're back in this thing, then you can go ahead and and offer that signing. So we it, it was and it's crazy how fast this happened. Two months ago, you would have had to convince the lender to do it. And now most lenders have found a way to enable us to effectively make that decision on their behalf, right? Oh, no. so like, and now it'll be like that forever, right? That yeah. They, don't, they don't have a reason to go back. They could always go back to it, but now they'll be like, well, it worked. It, yeah. worked, it worked during, during that. Why do we have to go back to the archaic system? Yeah, and it's not, I mean, what's fascinating is it was, it, again, just a few months ago, the world was more like, if you're a really leading edge lender uh, or a real estate agent for that matter, and you want to be using things like DocuSign for opening docs and like remote online notarization for closing. You know, you were pushing the envelope, you're rolling out proof of concept, but it was like 2% of transactions and like, you know, the perceived benefits uh, were far outweighed by just waiting if you were a fast follower. And what's, what's changed, and this is really, I mean, I'll just be this direct. It's, it, it's unfortunate, but it's correct. If you don't roll these things out now, you're, you're, going, you're not going to survive, right? You will not be a, a, a going concern as a mortgage lender in 12 months if you do not have a fully remote end-to-end -end digital closing option because borrowers are getting more and more... Look, here's the, here's the reality that they've had to face. The same borrowers who want an instant end-to-end -end digital close are the same people who are used to getting any television show on demand at any point in time, on any device, no matter when they want it. They're the same people who are used to getting food delivered to their house anytime they want it. They're the same people who are signing up for Instacart or with Amazon now, they're getting groceries delivered in two hours or less. These are the same people who, when they're feeling sick right now, aren't going into hospitals. They're going through telehealth visits and seeing doctors, like by scheduling an appointment, again, with the tap of a finger and, and seeing someone in five minutes, right? right? So like, if you are a mortgage lender or a real estate agent, 
and you think that these people who are having instant experiences across every other aspect of your life are going to want to continue closing their loans in person in six to 12 months, like you have your head under a rock. Yeah, we just bought a house in the, you know, a, a new a new personal residence for us. And yes, the stack of paper is like two inches thick. And I buy and sell a lot of houses. And we did this crazy like refinance for 100 houses back in like December. And the paperwork filled a table, like stacks this high around the whole table. And you're like, yes, an instant solution. Because of course, we're not going through and reading every document. Well, I am excited about this kind of fun new world. So you started, so the software company that you were working with before it is an AI based company. Like you were doing this sort of stuff before. So it was a natural fit. It was, yeah, it was a, the, my, my first company was a, a predictive analytics business for basically we created a software program for large, large hour, what we call hourly employers, companies who have lots of hourly employees doing entry level customer service, uh, retail sales, fast casual dining, companies who hired tens, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of people a year for these jobs, they used our software to predict which job applicants would perform a certain way and how long they'd stay before they were hired. They basically ran our algorithm on every job application. And it was quite successful. We scaled the business nicely and, and I sold it to a publicly traded company. And what was fascinating about that experience is relevant to this one is like, we had far less data in that business to predict off of. And we were still able to predict, you know, logical outcomes. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. You know, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple of years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. You find that you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the six steps for seven figures book. And really there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices so we know right now is the time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay. You get access to every course we've ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. In the real estate market, there's a massive amount of data, right? So it was almost like my experience in building that business, as I was going through a mortgage closing, as I was saying, hey, this is broken. And then as I looked at the data landscape for real estate, I was like, wow, there's like a hundred times the data in, in the real estate world. Here's a broken process that nobody likes. 
And if we could use the data that's available to have something way more accurate, that would just be, you know, it, it would be such a better solution. Yeah, what a uh, what a different time. And the and you're right, AI is a fascinating thing. And there's so much stuff that, that the data can generate, but everybody says it's based on what data can be put in there. Right. So the, so I drive my Tesla, my Tesla drives itself. I, you know, every week I'm like, Hey, they need to unlock it some more uh, because it's, it, it is learning fast, but that's their concept, right? Every time they're like, no, we have to roll out this feature. So then we're going to collect a lot more data. And every time they collect data and the, and you're right, real estate, probably more than any other industry, there's just more data out there than, than any, anything else, even for, for comps and things like that. Do, so do you think, so there's companies out there that use AI like Zillow for their estimate yeah. and Redfin, realtor.com. Yeah. Are you guys, do you guys have any interest in that space using your skills and trying to do pricing or is title going to be your big focus? Yeah. I mean, we'll, look, we're already using a lot of that for, so like I'll give you an example. Another feature that we've recently taken live is something called automated fee reconciliation. Fees, calculating fees correctly for a closing is a huge area of effort and friction. So real estate agents, lenders typically rely on the title company to calculate, to do the first calculation of fees, right? Everything from the obviously the the insurance and uh, escrow fees but also the uh you know transfer taxes prorated um interest uh on paying off loans and everything like you know the, the title company basically creates the good faith estimate and then what happens is like uh, you know there's all this stuff activity that happens for 30 or 45 days as the closing is getting lined up and a bunch of fees change uh the lender decides that they're going to offer a better interest rate to the borrower uh the the buyer and seller decide on a new closing date, right? Real estate agent decides they want to split their commission in a different way. A bunch of things change. And then there's this like mad dash at the closing where you finally get the final closing disclosure and you, you're trying to reconcile everything. And so the title company is usually frantically trying to get this, what's called the CD. Um, yeah. It's usually in a standardized format from the lender, but they're literally like looking at a PDF document and they're trying to like go and correct fees, do research, find out why the HOA hasn't been paid off, all sorts of stuff. And so we developed, uh, again, another algorithm, and, and, and this starts to get into the realm of AI, which is um, what we do is we actually read, we've trained a machine to read that CD. So this is back to this idea of like what data is available. A lot of, a lot of like title companies, I think, missed the boat on saying, well, yeah, there's all this data, structured data, right? Like, how can I get the fees sent to me in a, in a field? What we do is we take that PDF, just like the lender sends it to us, and we've trained a machine to read it through what's called optical character recognition, so it scans the document, it pulls out all the characters, and then we've developed a language library for, for CDs, for closing disclosures, through something called natural language processing. And it then, it understands the fees that are on there and it understands nuances by lender. Like one lender calls the homeowner's insurance homeowner's fee. Another one calls it insurance premium. Another one calls it homeowner's premium. Our natural language processor knows that all those things mean the same thing. So it reads it, scrapes the stuff out, understands the syntax, puts it in the system, reconciles the differences, sends a response back to the lender with the correct information. This all happens within a fraction of a second, right? In the old world, the, we got the CD, the title person looked at it, they uh, researched the discrepancies, it would take hours, right? Um, and so this idea of the machine getting smarter, by the way, the first time we released this algorithm, it was correct about 30% of the time. Correct meaning it got the fees read correctly, it understood what they meant, put them in, reconciled them. Now it's like correct 98% of the time, right? It's getting smarter and smarter. It's learning on the documents. So th this, this area of AI, I think is very, very important to us. And we've already started to incorporate it into several aspects of our solution. 
Yeah, getting a C and all that change. So what do you think are some of the other innovations people are going to see in real estate? So we already, I was going to ask you about notaries, but you guys are already a step ahead on that and it's title. Yeah. And, and you started with just refis, but now in like 40 states, you're, you know, we've, we've got so many real estate agents that listen here. They could go find a state's title for retail in how many yeah. states? Yeah, our, our, our retail brand is called North American Title Company. We're active in 17 states and including most of the major met. So California is a big market for us, all the major metros. Um, Texas is a big market, most of the major metros. Uh, Illinois, Florida, New Jersey, Indiana, Nevada. Uh, you know, we're pretty, and we're pretty heavy uh, resale uh, in, in our retail business unit. Um, other areas that, that we think you're going to see a lot of really interesting movement quickly, uh, application of predictive analytics and artificial intelligence. Um, one of the biggest ones is appraisal, sorely overdue uh, for innovation here. You know, certainly it's helped in the last few years with these things called appraisal waivers that, you know, the GSEs, Fannie and Freddie have allowed for um, certain loans that meet certain parameters to qualify for a waiver of an appraisal. But I think what you're going to see happening um, just by virtue of the fact that um, the license appraiser uh, population is aging out. You're not seeing uh, enough people replacing them. It's a hard profession to get new people to enter for a number of reasons. So those folks are aging out. It's an in-person interaction that's become much more precarious in the COVID-19 world. And so I think what you're going to see is um, a lot more loosening of regulation and a lot more innovation around using data in much the same we are way that we're doing for title and escrow to do appraisals completely automated and make that completely instant. That's a big one. Trying to think what else other than, I mean, honestly, if you can see, if you can see title and closing be instant and appraisal be instant, it gets us a lot of the way towards a fully instant end to end transaction. Like, you know, that it changes so many different things and you're right. So much of the appraisal is, you know, it's scraping data and looking and those appraisers, those appraisers are going out and, and seeing houses and grabbing pictures and, and doing different things. But but ninety it does feel like ninety percent of that could be processed in the in the in a moment. And you're yeah. talking about being able to build AI of maybe it's asking people, hey, I need you to take pictures of these, you know, twenty eight things in your house. And if you do that, it's an automated appraisal. Like I, I could see that really um, changing and, and getting that buy in um, because it's yeah the, they they follow those those same systems. So the so you say your policy costs are so much cheaper than other places. What's the comparison? So the so you've got two houses in San Francisco. What's the what's what's your fee compared to theirs? Yeah. So for on our on our instant underwritten refi product right now, generally what we're seeing uh, across all of the customers that we're in is that we're we're typically between fifteen and twenty percent lower cost than the lowest cost competitor in the account. Right. So typically right. lenders are using a couple different title companies, and they're routing business based on service and speed, right? It's like, can you, can you get the thing done quickly? Can you close um, and have a good customer experience? And so like on the service and speed stuff, like we just blow them out of the water. It's like they're, they're used to monitoring, you know, title company X by, Hey, they, you know, maybe they can get it down to seven to 10 days total for the whole end to end work, the, you know, title search, the report, the curative process, the getting the closing lined up or whatever. Yeah. And and, and the way this shows up, by the way, is they'll, mon they'll measure their total end-to-end -end close time frame from the time that they have a qualified borrower to closed funded loan, you know, all the fees distributed and everything. Best-in-class lenders generally run 22, call it 20 to 22 days, full, like, fully loaded app to close time frame, which is pretty fast for a refi, especially in this environment. Our lenders, on average, are running more like 15 to 17 days. 
right? So we're, we're shaving multiple days off the closing process. And then we deliver it at 15 to 20% cheaper than whoever's our lowest cost competitor. It's, it, you know, it, this is the Amazon effect. It's like, it doesn't, we found that when your message is really simple, people just get it. It's like, okay, so it's better, cheaper, faster. Like, why wouldn't I use that? Right. Better, cheaper, faster. That's the headline. And that's the headline that everyone is looking for in life right now. Like yes. you said, like, like everybody is looking at their phone and going, what's better, cheaper, faster in the, and sometimes they'll leave. What's funny is sometimes people would pay more for faster. So if you said, yeah. Hey, we're 10 days faster, but 500 bucks more, so there might be some people that say, Hey, we're going to use you because we want to close 10 days faster. And now you can say we're 10 days faster and we're cheaper in what could be thousands of dollars. The, yeah. um, if you're talking 15% below the lowest, like the, especially some of those bigger houses, that is a huge fee. Like you said, yeah. it was the third highest fee that you see on the CDs and you guys are that big cost saving. So should be a no brainer to, to be able to market that out there. And the, and, you know, and people, you know, especially like, how do you get the word out though to end users, right? So the, especially if it's a refinance, is that, are you going yeah. through, it, through the mortgage lenders first? And then once they believe it, they, they present that back? On refis, um, lenders generally uh, refer the placement um, because they're, you know, they're acting in the fiduciary interest of their customer. Um, so they're, it's, te it's technically the customer's decision, right? So again, for those of, you who've bought a home or refinanced and actually paid attention to the fine print, you know, yeah. on the, on the good faith estimate, it says there's services you can shop for and services you can't right? And title and closing is a service you can shop for. But what the lender does is they say, look, we've pulled fees from this vendor. Um, we prefer to use them because they're the fastest because they're the lowest cost. Um, resale is trickier. We were selling to real estate agents, right? Because they, they, they are the intermediary again, who's, you know, acting the fiduciary interest of their client. Um, that's where our retail presence is really important. You know, we have over a hundred salespeople uh, in our retail division uh, spread all over the country. Um, and, you know, we're still trying to figure out how is best to communicate with realtors. I mean, what we found is that realtors share an interest in making sure the deal gets closed quickly. They certainly, most of them want to do it at the lowest cost for their customer. They, they want to be able to provide the benefit of, you know, lower fees on closing. And, but it's been a trickier conversation just to make sure that like, again, partially because they're so used to like, it's like you said earlier in the conversation where it's like, this industry has been used to doing things a certain way for so long, right? Um, where when you're talking to a, a, a realtor and you say, hey, look, you know, this is a better product, it's faster and it's lower cost. Typically what you'll come up against is the number one objection is they'll say, yeah, but I, I work with Mary Sue at, at, you know, Acme Title Company uh, and I've worked with her for 20 years. So like, I, I don't know, like, do I really want to try something new? I'm trying to get the deal closed. I don't want to put it at risk. And so that's where we're really, you know, making sure that we prove like, no, actually it will help you have higher certainty of the deal closing. Like if the timeline goes down and it's lower cost, that actually means that your that your customer is more likely to close. And so we're seeing some benefit there. Yeah. So that that's the big the big barrier is almost like the too good to be true. They're like, okay, you're saying it's better, you're saying it's faster, you're saying it's cheaper, but the I still want to risk it. You know, because yeah. I know this is going to work and I can't, and I don't really think you're going to get off. I think you're going to have to change your pitch. Just be one of those things, right? Yeah. Just say, hey, we're, fa we're faster. <laughs> is that good enough? The later they'll find out it's all three, but if you say all three, it's, they're going to, they're going to get pretty skeptical. Yeah. So the, sounds like you're pretty excited about, uh, about title and everything else that's out there. A, a, a couple of years ago, people started talking about blockchain and saying, yeah. Hey, like blockchain is going to completely change the way people do title uh, because there's going to, you know, maybe transactions are going to happen that way. 
But that's really the same, the, the same process you have. Do you think that has any sort of place in the world or is, or is what you guys are doing with AI and other people going to kind of, is it kind of the same thing? No, it's different. And I, 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 I believe, I agree that blockchain is likely the ultimate destination for, uh, for title and closing. There's a couple things to consider there. One is if you put, even if you put title on the blockchain, it would still be the existing industry is, except for us, is constructed around the idea that you need to check everything. And when you find issues, you need to fix them, right? So when you move to the blockchain, all you do is you allow instantaneous access to the information that title companies insure on, but they'll still go through the same process. They just get it immediately. And then they'll say, oh, here's um, an outstanding mortgage lien, right? Is that real or not, right? They have to go and do the research. It is kind of our, it is kind of archaic though, because the stuff is in so many different places. When we were doing the purchase on our house, they, they were like, hey, but tell us about this personal mortgage that you did last year in July in San Antonio. And I was like, I didn't. But, the, yeah. but we also buy and sell a lot of rentals. And so the, you know, we've got hundreds with our company. But I go to research it and it was somebody with the same last name, yep. but completely unrelated to me. No yep. same initial, same last name only. But the title company was flagging that like, hey, there's this other house that you have that we think you're lying about. So will you yeah. tell us about that? And yeah. the, it is strange. There should be, it, there should be one place that says, "Hey, there's for this house. Here's the thing. You know, like like some sort of a formal." But that's what you guys are going to. Although that transition to get everybody on board, part of that hinges on the trust that the last title company did their job right. Yeah, and the challenge also that like, I mean, ultimately most of that most of the system of record that's being accessed and needs to be documented because uh, you know blockchain is is read write right like you got to pull it you got to pull from blockchain and then you got to put it back in in and where the read write you know single system of record sits today is at county recorders offices mm-hmm. there's last i checked i think there's 2200 you know counties that have a county recorders office recording mortgages yeah you're gonna have to convince every and i mean i like you know 200 and something 250 something in, in texas like the, exactly is- like and you got to convince every one of them to move to the blockchain. Uh, look, I, don't get me wrong. I think it's going to happen. When it happens, I think I think by the time it happens, our method of underwriting and using predictive analytics as the layer on top will be the accepted standard, and we'll be we will be thrilled to be able. You're to- going to get to the point where you've got a lender partnership where they say, "Yeah," and the slowest part of that process is going to be somebody's you know credit report coming back, mm-hmm. and the credit report's going to come back in six in, in, you know, in two days. You got it. All right. We got our credit report back. This is what we know. And you guys are going to be able to click the button and go, here's the value. Here's the, here's the title. Let's get that refi done. And then when, as that comes to retail, uh, that gets even more exciting. I could see that being a little bit riskier than refis, of course, the, uh, but you get to grow that. So as you're, you're, you're super pumped up about growing this thing. What is the, what is the next level for your title companies? You're doing, you did 200,000 last year, just, just more States, more products, easy click everywhere. Yeah, I mean, look, honestly, we're we're our big focus this year is we're putting a massive investment into um, the next set of features on our technology platform that will make the rest of the you know escrow and closing instant. Um, I mean, just to put it in perspective, like a year ago, we probably had fifteen engineers and data scientists in the company, uh, and today we have probably close to a hundred. I mean, we've been on a hiring spree for some of the best technical talent in the world, PhDs in astrophysics right like some of the leading data scientists and engineers to build out the rest of that technology so this is going to be an investment year for us we're very fortunate uh in that the company is very well capitalized going into the current market 
situation. Yeah. We have, you know, Lennar, who's the largest home builder in the country, is one of our largest investors. And we have some other big name investors behind us too. And so I think what I'm really excited about and what's coming next is that, you know, while I think you're going to see a lot of these other title companies who have never really invested that much in technology before, like they're definitely not investing any right now. And we are, I mean, we're going to like quadruple the size of our R&D spend this year to pass on the benefits to, to our customers. Uh, you know, real estate rockstar listeners, you guys know that the, I, we almost exclusively only interview real estate agents. It takes something big to have somebody come on here that isn't a real estate agent. But the, but when I saw some of the stuff that Max was doing, I thought for sure you guys needed to get to hear it because right now we're in this time of innovation. And when he says that part, they've got a hundred, you know, programmers and software guys trying to build out. That is not a title company style. I've got a lot of great title companies. I've worked with a lot of great things and I haven't done any deals with Max's company, but the, and, but I, and I, I do love so many of those experiences I have, but I love the technology aspect and what you guys are trying to do. The, you know, so our listeners out there, so our agents that want to come find you, I think you already said the way they find you is through, you know, is through North American title, right? Yeah, for real estate agents, it's North American Title Company. And for mortgage lenders, it's States Title. Uh, and our website, statestitle.com. That is awesome. So both places for people to come find you, Max. Any any last things that you were, were hoping we were going to get to tell everybody out there? I mean, at, at the beginning, I think we said that your, your big mission was for people to know that there is other ways out there. You don't have to do it the way you've always done it. There are some other options. You might save time and money. Any, anything else? No, I mean, maybe the last thing I would say is just like in a time of obviously tremendous adversity and uncertainty, there is reason to be very excited about the future, right? Necessity is the mother of invention and the inertia that you mentioned uh, earlier in our discussion that this industry has always faced because that's the way things have always been done. Now they're being forced to change and almost all of those things that are being forced to change around are for the better, right? This will be this is going to be for the better of, of customers uh, and and for everyone in the real estate market. It's going to be painful to get there, um, but there's a lot of optimism for where this is going to end up. I'm, I'm super excited about the future. That's a great point with the optimism everybody should be listening to out there is the when forced change happens, it is to benefit the consumer. It's to benefit the person staying at home so they don't have to go do these other things. And so even when we're allowed to go back out and do other stuff, that means you could stay at the park longer instead of doing it this way. It means you could stay at your appointment longer, the birthday party or the dinner. And the it's going to benefit the consumer as we push through. So, you know, real estate rock stars, we have told you guys, continue to educate yourself have a great attitude through all this and figure out what's out there. I hope you guys enjoy this. I mean, Max, I could talk to you for hours about the different technology and the software stuff that we've built inside ours and, and what you're doing. But the but for now, that'll be it. Hopefully, we'll have you on again soon. And thanks for joining me. Thank you. All right. Bye now. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful please I need you to pull out your pointing finger yes the one finger that points at people and hit subscribe yes subscribe the more subscribers we get the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. 
We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that, too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.